Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we invite you to listen and feel like you are participating in a private mastermind conversation. And where do these conversations take place? They may happen in coffee shops, cigar shops, tea houses. They may happen in cafes. They may happen at the park. They may happen at the networking party before or after the seminar. They could happen in live chats, Zoom calls. We broadcast many of our episodes from my sumptuous studio on my balcony here in Las Vegas, Nevada. We are a From the Field podcast, and I invite you to consider that ambience. As I come to you today, I'm actually on my couch here in my beautiful Las Vegas apartment. I love to move around. I'm dedicated to the laptop lifestyle. So if you're here looking for the Lux Studio, this is actually real. This is very raw. And we have the conversations that many others simply don't. So this is not your Q&A type podcast. This is not the type of podcast where we go by formulas. And if you've seen our guest before on another show, it is highly unlikely that you have the entire story because we go places a lot of the other shows don't. And with that initial excitement, today we are going to have a unique conversation about cannabis marketing with diversity and inclusion. Wow, that is putting a couple interesting threads together. We have discussed cannabis marketing on other episodes of the Business Creators Radio Show, just like we've also discussed the marketing for sexual enhancement products. We've also had conversations about my friendships with dead people. It's very interesting, some of the things we get into here. We also do have a track on workplace communication, diversity. We've had several episodes specifically on that. So if either of these trends and tracks are of interest to you, this is certainly something that's going to fulfill both of them. We have with us Dan Serrard. He is a very interesting guy. He's the director of business development for the Cannabis Creative Group, and he's been working in the cannabis industry for over three years and has been part of marketing over 150 different brands. Currently, he heads business development strategic partnerships for this company, which is a top marketing agency in the cannabis industry. He's a member of many cannabis associations, such as the Cannabis Marketing Association, Business Owners Hemp and Cannabis Association, National Association of Cannabis Businesses, and more. He's currently a committee member for, of the National Cannabis Industry Association's Marketing and Advertising Committee and a contributor to the Rolling Stone Cultural Council. Oh boy, after all that, I think I need a joint. Dan Serard, come on in, the weather's fine. <laughs> thank you, thank you for having me here. Excited to uh, join the podcast and uh, 
looking forward to the conversation today. I God, I, I don't know how I can follow up with all the other shows that you've been on. And I've been tuning in, listening to all the other topics that you've been diving into. Excited to help really, you know, work with you and, and, and talk to you about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the cannabis space and, and talk about what we've been doing as an agency to help our clients. Fantastic. And what we'd like to do here is before we dive in, I read off that official bio and candidly, I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here. And this is my podcast. <laughs> so uh, what I want to so what I want to do now is take a moment, take a step back, like we do with all of our guests, and have you tell us a bit tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Yeah, absolutely. I can got to where do I start? I mean. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, have many different jobs uh, over the last, you know, decade, decade and a half here. So um, in my my previous life, I should say, I managed health clubs in uh, both Santa Monica and Boston. And, um, you know, I helped manage some sales teams, really dove into health and wellness. We launched a couple supplement brands uh, and really looking at, you know, holistic health um, from every standpoint. And, I did that for a long time, um, working from coast to coast. And when I was out on the West Coast, actually, I, I had some friends up in Humboldt County. I was based down in LA. And uh, I went up and visited their farm out there, got in a little experience of the cannabis culture out in Humboldt. And um, it was amazing. So, you know, from a recreational standpoint, I dabbled a little bit in my earlier age. And, and through that, you know, that was a really cool experience for myself. So when I moved back to Boston, um, I managed another health club, you know, similar path and, and actually, you know, found cannabis creative group kind of randomly, you know, transparently through indeed, I was looking for jobs. I was looking in, in a different markets and, and cannabis was about to go recreational in Massachusetts at that point. And with that, you know, I knew a little bit about the cannabis industry, uh, from a, uh, legacy perspective, we'll call it the legacy industry. Um, yep. and the, the industry was budding, no pun intended, obviously <laughs> cannabis show. We can't go, you know, 10 minutes without a pun here. Right. Um, and, You're a funny uh, guy. <laughs> and, and the two co-founders really hired me to, to prove, uh, the proof of concept and say, we're a marketing agency, you know, champ internet's our parent company. We've been around for 13 years. And, you know, is cannabis a division that we can get into and really specialize our team and figure out the nuances and um, and really dive into to help our clients. So they hired me, you know, fast forward now, got four or four and a half years here. Uh, we've worked with over 150 different brands. We have partners all around the world, uh, not only in the U.S., but Europe and Canada and Mexico and South America and, um, you know, we've grown to one of the top industries and in, uh, one of the top agencies in the cannabis industry, um, in my opinion, obviously, I'm a little biased, but, uh, <laughs> you know, working with a lot of our clients and hearing some feedback uh, from the associations that I'm on, I, I can speak very highly of our production team, who is amazing and the work that they do here is, is, is really, really great. Okay, well, that is fantastic. And I have love for Humboldt County myself. I have friends there. It's a very interesting place. I hope to visit it in person at some point. I hear that uh, I hear about the cannabis industry there. I hear about the vineyards there. I hear about the weather there that although I'm kind of 
in love with the Las Vegas weather, it would make a really nice change of pace. So I actually hope to get up there sometime and get to enjoy it a little bit. Now, with all that being said, uh, I am kind of curious. Let's just start off with a bang here, so to speak. And I want to get into this fusion that you are creating here between cannabis marketing with diversity and inclusion. Let's get that defined, go through a few of the points you want to cover as far as that, that you and I spoke about in the green room, and then we will have other things we follow up on in the rest of our time together. So let's start by defining our terms. Yeah, absolutely. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are often used interchangeably, but they have differences. It should be understood so that we have better conversations around creating change. So again, starting by defining our terms, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Absolutely. So diversity is the ways in which people differ, right? So yeah. it what makes us what makes us all unique with varying perspectives, experiences, preferences, and so on. So this looks like age, race, gender, sexual orientation, ability, all sorts of different ways that really make us unique. Equity is defined as fair treatment, access, opportunity, and advancement for people while taking into account their diversity. So this is an important distinction from equality, which is defined as the quality or state of having the same rights, social status, et cetera, right? And then inclusion is putting diversity into action by including or involving people from ranges of backgrounds. So in practice, this looks like creating equitable opportunities, providing resources, and developing policies for people who might otherwise be excluded or marginalized. So those three terms right there are super critical and important, and it's really you know a core focus and a core value of Cannabis Creative Group that this is not only a core value of our business, but helping extract that for our clients to make sure it's a core value of theirs as well. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, I did want to make sure we define that because I'm aware that those three words have three different meanings. So what, how does this translate to the cannabis industry? Absolutely. So a diverse cannabis industry is one that serves and benefits multiple communities, business owners, and, and consumers. So that's diversity, right? Yeah. Equity in an equitable cannabis industry is one that represents marginalized communities in leadership roles. So looking at founders, owners, CEOs, board members, investors, and so on. Then an inclusive cannabis industry is one that provides marginalized communities with ownership opportunities, builds businesses that give back to underserved populations, and actively fights for individuals and communities harmed by the war on drugs. Right. Right, right. So... Do you, I mean, so what do you think are currently some of the challenges when it comes to this? Uh, like where, where, where's the industry falling short and where's, well, what's the gap that we need to bridge? Absolutely. So I think the biggest, uh, you know, really um, component of this and to help change the industry uh, from what it is currently to where we, we would like to see it is education and activism. I think those are the key components to fight this. And that comes with responsibility to understand the nuances around the discussion, right? Right. So where, where does, or how does that look? Where does it come into play? Where is the messaging and how is that messaging um, brought out? Is it through the brand? Is it through your social media presence? Is it through your logo, colors, 
where your business is and how you communicate with your community. There's all different components and it really starts with the foundation of your business even before you get into any of the fun stuff with the designs and the website and that kind of stuff. The, it's really laying that foundation of your business and, and knowing what your values are. Yeah, because when I think of logos for the cannabis industry, I just think of green and leaves. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, I think I think, you know, talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, there's a stigma across the cannabis industry, right? Especially with the people who have been affected by the war on drugs. Yeah. Where that stigma as a stoner who is lazy, who smokes weed, who can't hold a job, who, you know, has all of these, you know, bong rips or whatever it is you see these cannabis leaves and the green and the white and the bong, you know, outline and stuff like that. And it's really changing. You know, that is, is a very, very, very um, uh, outdated perspective of who a cannabis consumer is. And, you know, there are still people, you know, there's plenty of people who might enjoy that and just kind of, you know, hang out, whatever, but it, it gives such a bad perspective of the whole, the industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I I can certainly see that. And I know that I've been around just long enough to remember when marijuana was considered a bad, bad thing. And uh, yeah, I was in college and at Penn State, I was an RA there in the residence halls for the last two years that I was a student. And when the residents in some of the rooms would put their towel underneath the door to block the aura of Mary Jane wafting into the hall. It's like they had to go underground and hide it. And now what I'm seeing is I will visit friends' houses these days and now have their bong just sitting out on the coffee table. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's no big deal. And, uh, and, uh, and, and a common theme is, all right, so let's 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 head out. Let's go hang. Let's let's go out here. But first, a hit from the bong, right? right. And these are and these are people who, in some cases, are entrepreneurs. They have high level and even executive positions. And these are not stoners. These are not lazy people. These are actually massive contributors to society. Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, that is where education is such a huge component. And, and we talk about this all the time with our clients is how to break that stigma. And I, I think we're doing a really, really good job with that. And, you know, one of the opportunities that I've, I've been lucky to have is serve on the NCIA marketing and advertising board to represent the industry. And then recently, you know, approved by the, the Rolling Stone Culture Council, where you know, hopefully I'll, I'll get to voice the opinion of the industry and really make it mainstream uh, for everybody to see. And, and that's what I'm really excited about uh, with some right. opportunities that I've had. Oh, great. So tell us a little bit more about those, because I'm really trying to create a, a framework for our listeners here to understand this. Absolutely. So the NCAA is National Cannabis Industry Association. Um, it is the industry association that works on on policies. Um, it helps with uh, business owners to make sure that um, they have best practices and SOPs in place and really is is a a body. I don't want to say a governing body, um, but it's really a way for cannabis business owners 
to come together and make change as an industry as a whole. So, I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to, to join the committee and there's some amazing people on that. Very, very successful entrepreneurs. And um, I'm excited to see where that where that goes. Obviously, they've come a long way, but I think there's there's an uphill battle to fight. Right. And I, I think we're we're really starting to hit the ground running uh, over the last you know three to five years here, and and change across the United States and 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 the globe as well. Right, right, absolutely. Now, another term that comes up, and I'm going to ask you to define this for our listeners too, because this is one that I find a lot of people just don't understand, is intersectionality. So, if you could first of all define what that word means and what it has to do with cannabis marketing. Sure, absolutely. So, so uh, intersectionality uh, includes movements like Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate that are rooted in racial identity. So, um, when you're out and about in you know living your life, you'll find these intersectionalities. You know, it might be a a black woman or a gay Asian man, and the cannabis industry is really serving individuals who experience multiple layers of oppression and prejudice. Prejudice, right? So there's multiple layers behind that. And acknowledging that in your business model is really important as we're looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion. So your business model, before you start anything, who you're hiring, your selling practices, marketing tactics, creating that safe space and the human connection with your employees and your customers to make sure that um Everybody from all different types uh, of backgrounds uh, is, is treated fairly and has an equal opportunity to advance. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for clearing that up. So, you know, what I keep coming back to is the propaganda that has gone into drugs. Let's start there, but specifically when it comes to cannabis, marijuana, et cetera. So I'm going to go on for just a minute here. This all starts with Reefer Madness, which was a movie that was made, oh, I don't know, almost 100 years ago at this point. And, uh, and it created this idea that people who smoke marijuana are ravenous fiends who just go absolutely crazy and busting up stuff as they walk around. But the fact is, is marijuana is actually a calming thing. It's not something that that fuels rage or is that type of stimulants. So already that was propaganda. And that was believed to be created to generate more profits for the logging industry where there were concerns that the hemp industry was going to knock it out of the marketplace because hemp is so competitive. Think about it. You plant a tree, you're probably waiting about 100 years for that tree to mature enough where you can cut it down and and monetize it. Whereas with hemp, uh, it's like planting corn. It's like the same season. I mean, uh, it, it turns over much faster, and it's also a more durable product for things even beyond human consumption, such as rope and clothing, for example. So goodness forbid that this hemp and marijuana stuff. And I'm also reminded of this happened a couple of years ago. You know, we have all these CBD oils and other applications for cannabis that are not in the form of a bong or a marijuana joint. And this local police department was doing these raids uh, having to do with capturing 
CBD supplies. And they were doing a press conference with, I think it was the police chief or the sheriff or somebody. And somebody asked him, so what do people use CBD for? And he said, to get high. And everybody, <laughs> including all the reporters, just laughed at him. Yep. It's like, what century are you in, pal? And as far as the the war on drugs, I mean, you want to talk about diversity and inclusion and equity. And the war on drugs is, has been revealed through disclosures at this point was at least partially fueled by a desire to create division and marginalize certain communities. Crack didn't just happen by itself. And then we hear the conversation about how marijuana is a gateway drug where, hey, today you're smoking that joint and, uh, and uh, you keep up with that joint. In about three weeks' time, you're going to be doing lines of cocaine off a stripper's ass. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that just doesn't happen. But people still believe it does. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it is, it is so absurd. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I chose to get into this industry is to help educate people. Right. Um, it's, it's such a, you know, opportunity for people to learn and educate themselves and, and move forward as a human race, in my opinion, to a plant that has been with us since the beginning of time. Right. We're talking about yeah. the cannabinoid system. Mammals have an endocannabinoid system that reacts to the cannabis plant. Tell me that, right? I mean, that is, that's, that, that's just proof is right there. So, you know, if, if this plant has been with us since the beginning of time, our bodies have a system to react to that, like the central nervous system, it's there for a reason. Exactly. Uh, think about how many areas in the United States whether they're townships, whether they're villages, whether they're highways, have the name Hempfield. Yep. Where do you think that comes from? <laughs> think about all the places in this country where they no longer have the hemp fields, but marijuana grows like a weed. So what does that tell us about how things used to be that has perhaps been forgotten? Right. I mean, it, absolutely. It, it, it's you go back to the war on drugs. Right. And right. that's that's the biggest piece. And it's reeducating. It's, you know, uh, making sure that we're looking not only at the industry, but the people that have been incarcerated for these cannabis related crimes. Right. I mean, it's an estimate of, you know, 40,000 Americans are still incarcerated for cannabis related crimes, which is just astronomical. Right. If you're in a country now where it's legal and I, I don't know how many states it get, you know, it's more by the day, I feel like it's just so unfair. So it's it's important to support these movements and these social movements by um, making sure that, you know, your voice is heard. You're talking to your legislators, you're talking to your senators and you're doing everything that you can to help these people who have been treated unfairly over the last, you know, hundred years now. Uh-huh. And a hundred years is a, is a lot to overcome. Right. A absolutely. I mean, we, we haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg yet and it, it, it's still a long, long way to go. Yeah, I know. Very, 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 very sad. And 
what can you do other than the things you just described to help create new education and a new paradigm? I remember 10 years ago, and this was just 10 years ago, when I became really conscious about the sources of my food mm-hmm. and became focused on looking for things that are more organic and less chemical. And also when I adopted veganism as a lifestyle, how difficult it was to locate those options. There weren't many vegan restaurants. Uh, If you went to the grocery store, there was usually nothing for you unless you did a whole bunch of research and knew how to pick through the produce aisle, or you were willing to make the long trek to something like Whole Foods, of which there weren't that many. Mm -hmm. And now, 10 years later, because the market demanded it, I think is the biggest thing, you can find it anywhere. Right. And, and that, um, that's a really interesting point. And there's a few things I wanted, wanted to talk on about that. Um, and, and what we've been seeing in the market and one of the, the core, uh, action items that I've noticed is actually with, uh, Google and Instagram, where you can now shop based on, um, if the company is black owned, Latino-owned, veteran-owned, women-owned, and there's identifiers that actually select or will help you select products from businesses that uh, have these um, different um, diversity uh, diversities in the leadership role, right? Yeah. So, so that's something that we have have seen in, in in Google and all kinds of different platforms online that I think has been really important at the way that people are shopping and looking uh, to make their purchase decisions. Yeah. And I have seen some of that as well. I mean, I don't know what my thoughts are about some of this stuff. I can certainly see supporting businesses in order to help raise a community. But, you know, I, I tell you that I see companies sometimes take political stands and more than often I and I actually see that backfire on them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so where, where, where do we draw on the line on this? Because I know that there are companies and brands out there where I felt that they were essentially attacking me simply because of how I voted in an election somewhere at some point in my life. So why the hell would I give them money? Right. And then, right. I, see, and then I see other companies that will take an opposite stand. And I'll say, wow, they're really putting it out there. They're actually standing up for the idea that there is not an approved group think like 1984 in this country and we actually can have a diverse range of opinions so i will frequent them even though i don't really need a lot of their stuff i'll buy their stuff just to support them it's like the idea you have some companies uh, some influencers some performance artists who actually look forward to being canceled because that stuff is lucrative to them. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and there's a term it's um, conscious consumerism and that's how you shop and um, making sure that not only are you shopping um, to choose amongst, you know, the, the beliefs that you have, but Uh also spending the time to figure out where, when, how to shop and find these companies. And that's what's really important is 
making sure that these companies are able to be found, right? And they're identifying as a women-owned business, as a Black-owned business. And these outlets, these social outlets, these search engines are allowing them to be found that way as well. So that that's really something that you know, I've been proud of that a lot of these large companies are making a change towards and, and allowing companies to be found. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very very important here. So, where do we go from here? I mean, this seems like it may be actually somewhat of a more straightforward topic than I originally expected. That's perfectly okay because we can spend a little bit of time speaking about the cannabis creative and some of the things you do as we wrap up here. But uh, tell us a bit about, you know, what, where, where else can we go from here? Uh, what, what else can the industry do? What can, and let's even take this a little bit further. What, let's look at it for, at the local end. What can dispensaries do? What can uh, distributors do? What can people in general do to help serve these du- dual goals of normalizing cannabis and including things like diversity, inclusion, and equity? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and something I can definitely speak on, and it, it's local to my community, is Massachusetts. And the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission are um, focused on delivery operators. So this is new. And what they're doing is they're giving a priority to social equity applicants to become right. delivery operators before any other companies um, can come into the market. So that's a that's an amazing opportunity for these delivery operators to sell to consumers, to create a business, to become a, a leader in the industry um, before you know corporates come in and and yeah. have have that stake. So they're allowing um, cannabis operators to really be prioritized, which is, which is great to see in my community in Massachusetts. And I hope that, you know, Massachusetts, the framework will be followed with other recreational states that open up in the years to come. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty great. And I am seeing just more and more trends toward legalization. I think at this point, the majority of states, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me within the United States have reached the point, correct me if I'm incorrect about this, uh, the majority of our states, maybe you know the exact number of which, have currently legalized for both medicinal and recreational. Yeah, I, I believe so. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but um, we're, like I said, I think we're moving closer every day. Yeah. Well, what I do see, however, is that it's still not legal at the federal level, which means that you have some dispensaries in certain locations that are unable to have merchant processing. So the transactions have to be in cash. And then they can't put this cash into the banking system or really into the economy because then what they'll be doing will be tantamount to money laundering. Yeah. We, I mean, you've heard that movie, that, that TV show, Breaking Bad, and they were raising so much cash selling the, uh, the crystal blue meth. They were keeping it in storage lockers where they would just have money piled up and they couldn't do anything with it. $10 million worth. And I believe that there is much more than $10 million worth of <laughs> cash that is just sitting out there that cannot be put into the system right now because there's not a legal way to do it. So mm-hmm. you're 
you're, you're actually with this resistance factor taking money out of the system. And for those who have concerns about marijuana being unsafe or what have you, A, we already know that the idea of it being a gateway drug is largely a myth. If somebody takes drugs other than marijuana, it's not because of the marijuana, it's because of something else. Is really, to me, based on my research, kind of the bottom line on that. And second of all, if you legalize marijuana fully, then you create tax revenue because that is something that people have demonstrated in the marketplace that they will spend a lot of money on. And you can also have controls in place to make sure it's safe. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. I mean, I think I think it's uh, going to take a few more years, but I think we're heading in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I know a lot of people smoke marijuana and these are, it, it's it's funny. I mean, I've, I've been to business seminars where the person hosting the seminar probably had no idea that 80% of the folks who were attending his seminar went to a party where they were all passing the peace pipe. Yep. He knew some of his people liked to party because on day three of the seminar, they were showing up at about 8.45 for a session that began at 8 o'clock. Uh, but I'm not sure he had the full picture on exactly what was causing him to sleep then. <laughs> but again, these are these are entrepreneurs. These are business leaders. These are creators, doers, and movers in the space. So I, again, I do my part. And you know, another thing I've noticed is when states have legalized marijuana for both the medicinal and the recreational, that it actually did, in fact, lead to people saying, oh, cool, I can get this stuff legally. Well, where's my nearest dispensary? Yep. So it, so if we want, really want to talk about, and this is something else where we can talk about diversity, inclusion, and all these other things, and, and how we support communities and such, how many people do you think are currently in prison on trumped up weed charges? Too, too many. Too Wait. many. Yeah. And uh, do you really believe that the purpose here is rehabilitation? No, I absolutely not. I mean, I think that's the goes back to the stigma around the plant, right? Yeah. And it's, it, you know, if you're, let's say 20, 25 year old and you know, you, you have a little, you get caught with some cannabis, maybe, you know, whatever it might be, it, it could ruin your life. I mean, and also older, you know, you're 40 years old, you have kids and you, instead of a glass of wine, you have, you smoke a couple hits off of a joint at night and somehow you get popped and it, it can absolutely ruin your life. And it's, it's unfair where a state right next to you, maybe, maybe you live on the line of, you know, New Hampshire and Massachusetts and you get, you know, caught in New Hampshire but in Massachusetts, five miles away, whatever, that, that's not even a slap on the wrist. Literally, you can go in and buy it legally. So it it just it, it doesn't make sense. It, it's backwards right now. You know, the way the the industry is state by state. Right. And that's one of my passions. And I know I'm sounding very mellow when I say that's one of my passions. But the fact is, is. I do believe that there's a profit motive behind it, behind the for-profit prison system and mm -hmm. continuing recidivism with the idea that it will continue to perpetuate the industry. 
And when you have people out there in law enforcement positions, and I'm as and I'm as pro police as you're going to find. Yep. But I still think of that clip of that that police chief or that sheriff saying that people use CBD to get high, and everybody, including all the reporters at the press conference, laughing in his face. Mm-hmm. These are these are some of the folks who we trust with authority over this. This is to me an area that where we need to see some change. Yeah. And I believe the best change comes from education. That police chief or police sheriff probably, in my mind, I'm just going to speculate here. I don't know the guy. I don't know what his experiences have been or anything like that. And he may well be a perfectly fine gentleman who is dedicated to public service. I'm not saying that's not the case, but he himself has heard so much about reefer madness and the war on drugs and everything else that is not currently within his worldview to even see that this is actually a healing thing. Right. And imagine what a half hour of education could do to, you know, that situation, right? Yeah. Right. And I bring up that everybody laughed in his face. Well, what if they weren't laughing? What if they said, still said, say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, is that what you believe that people use CBD oils to get high? Well, first of all, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my understanding, that's actually not really possible. And second, that's not what people use the oils for to begin with. It's not about getting high. They, I can make a list of things that people use CBD oils for, everything from immunodeficiency support to lubrication, and you can assign whatever meaning you want to that phrase, to mm-hmm. simply using it uh, to treat their skin and help them feel good. And I don't mean in a buzzed way, just in the way that you would apply lotion of any kind to your skin just to make you feel good. It could be any of those things. And some people consume the stuff in tablespoons because they believe it helps with either their digestive health or increases their response, their body's natural defenses to viruses and bacteria. We could go on and on and on, but uh, I don't hear much about oils and getting high. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing on top of that, to add to that point is, you know, and I am not an expert in the field with the science behind the plant, but I do have a lot of people who have recommended if you do get too high from THC to consume CBD because it has an opposite effect and it yeah. will actually calm you down. So, you know, to that point, exactly. Right. Yeah. Now, just now, just for my uh, perspective and also to model a way to get educated about this. I don't know everything about marijuana and cannabis and everything. I know that I like a good joint every once in a while. Uh, and I know that I used to have neighbors who lived right downstairs that I didn't even need to go buy the stuff. All I had to do is sit on my balcony and get a contact high. Uh, but uh, but all that but all that being said, we have C- THC and CBD and where the CBD actually counteracts the THC if you're starting to feel a little too buzzy or a little too high. Now, does this get into how the male and the female aspects of the plants have a yin yang thing going on? No, not necessarily. Um, So so again, so again, I'm asking on behalf of the listeners and so we can just take a few minutes to give people a little bit of education on what some of these terms mean and what we're really dealing with here. Sure. Absolutely. So CBD is a compound in the cannabis plant, um, just like THC. And there's all kinds of different, you know, compounds as well. CBG, CBN, and each diff- different type of compound has a different reaction with your body. And that is where the um, 
uh, your body reacts to the plant differently and the percentage of what type of compound is in there. So you might have cannabis plants that test really high in THC. You might have plants that test very high in, you know, THC or or CBD, whatever one I I said earlier. So it it depends on the actual makeup uh, and the genetics of that specific plant itself. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, uh, we're kind of near the top of our time here. So uh, I encourage everybody to check out your website at cannabiscreative.com, which is which does a lot of things, branding, digital marketing, web design, development, print and package design, and more to support folks in the cannabis industry. It's great when you have a resource that is niched to your market, and Cannabis Creative Group is certainly one of those. So I would encourage everybody to check out that website. But in, in general, in general, Dan, what would you recommend our listeners do right now as soon as they finish streaming this episode? What is one step they could take that could benefit them in some way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, we go back to the education piece. And and if you're a cannabis consumer, you know, knowing where you're shopping and making sure that you're you're conscious about where you're shopping. If you're interested in in learning more about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we have amazing resources on our Cannabis Creative Group website to to learn from. Uh, We really uh, focus our primary values at Cannabis Creative Group in diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we are committed to creating a business where all identities are honored and respected and also help our clients with this as well. And I think that's a core component to to take away here is we do work with a a lot of Black-owned, women-owned, Latino-owned businesses, and we have all different types of programs to help them um, be seen in the market, uh, work with their brand to really purvey their message and bring their message out and, and take ownership in who they are and who their company is. So um, if you're interested in that or want to learn a little bit more about that and how we're helping businesses or can help your business, you know, always feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm available and, and would love to chat with anyone uh, who may be interested. Absolutely. Well, Dan Serard, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.